0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Scrubcast. I'm Eamon Ammer. I have Professor Manus with me today and uh, we're going to start a new mini-series, How the Professor Does It. So how do you do it, Professor Manus? Welcome to Scrubcast again. Thank you.
1: Nice to be back in the studio,
0: actually in my office. <laughs> <laughs> so Prof, this series will focus on technicalities of, of liver transplantation, so difficult transplants. And if we talk today about the difficult portal vein reconstruction, for a a junior transplant surgeon like myself, it's a nightmare when you you take that clamp off and find that the portal flow is low. And as you know, there's many causes for this, portal vein thrombosis being one. Hopefully, we would have established that prior to the start of the procedure,
1: but also varices as well. So how would you approach this, Prof? Well, I think the first thing to say is, I agree with you completely, that portal vein complications interoperatively, if you meet them without prior knowledge, can be extremely stress-provoking for inexperienced surgeons. I think the first thing to say is you need to make sure you've reviewed the preoperative imaging, and you know what to expect. You don't want to go into a difficult transplant not knowing that there's going to be a portal vein problem. So, it's essential that you have good preoperative imaging. And on that preoperative imaging, you need to look at two things. One is wh- whether or not there's presence of thrombus in the portal vein and w- exactly where it is. Is it above the junction of the splenic vein or is it into the SMV? Because it does make a difference to what happens interoperatively. Um, there is a classification called the Odell classification, which was from Birmingham. I think it is quite useful, especially if you're talking about type 4, which are completely thrombosed SMV as well as portal vein, those type of portal vein problems can result in significant morbidity and mortality for the patient. So you need to know about that beforehand. Um, I think the second thing is to know whether or not there's any shunting. And the most important shunts that take blood away from the portal flow will be the splenorenal shunt, which is probably the commonest one. But you can get shunting between any vessels you can get patients who have massive retroperitoneal shunting, very tiny collaterals, where you don't see big varices, but it does steal a lot of blood from the portal vein, and those are a bit more difficult to deal with. But if you know you have a splenorenal shunt, you need to have a plan preoperatively, and either you're going to chase those shunts and tie them off, especially if it's a big left gastric, for example, you can tie that off, but a splenorenal shunt can be quite difficult to find and tie off, And so sometimes the best way to deal with that is to ligate the left renal vein. And you should know about that before you go into surgery. Um, I think in the past, portal vein thrombosis was almost always an absolute contraindication. And as the years have gone on, we've learned to deal with it, um, especially type 1 and type 2, where they are either just uh, a small bit of sidewall thrombus or very fresh thrombus which you can extract. There are techniques that, that you can do to avert the portal vein um, when the thrombus is more, is, is more uh, mature. Yeah. And basically, avert the portal vein and pull the thrombus out. Again, those, aren't, those procedures to the uninitiated are not easy to do. But once you've done them and you know how to do them uh, safely, then I think they are very successful. I think one of the problems is when you get into a, an operation where you know there's a portal vein issue preoperatively, but you can't really quantify it because time has gone on. You know, you may have scanned the patient three months before. And I have to say that if you haven't had a scan within the three-month period, you should try and get one before you go to theatre. But even if it's in that three-month period, things can change. Um, and there's nothing worse than getting in to find that there's no flow that you weren't expecting or that there's a lot of inflammation around that vein which makes it really friable Um, and eversion or any manipulation can be very tricky.
0: So how far would you dissect proximally onto the portal vein before you start thinking about other procedures rather than eversion thrombectomy?
1: Proximally meaning?
0: As in in towards the the pancreas. Towards the liver. Towards towards the pancreas.
1: Towards the pancreas. pancreas. So distally. Well, I'd, I'd dissect as far as that I can safely get to without ending up in a bloodbath. Now, there will, if, there's, if it's chronic thrombus, there will be lots of small collaterals around there. It can be quite difficult to do that dissection. But in the acute thrombus, I would go as far as I can go safely. Um, and if that means slightly into the tunnel under the pancreas, then I would do that. Enough space to be able to evert the vein if you need to. Would you reach the uh, confluence of uh, the splenic and... Uh, I think it'd be, uh, if, you, if you can, but I wouldn't push it. Mm. I would stay as high as possible when I transect the portal vein during the procedure, as high to the bifurcation, so I have a lot of portal vein to play with, so I have s- something for leverage. The worst thing to do is to end up cutting the portal vein and finally you have no vein above the pancreas and you're really struggling. So stay as high as you possibly can so that you don't have that problem. And when you do the aversion, at least you've got enough vein to evert. Um, but sometimes when you get when you do get in, the, there's a very foreshortened porter with lots of collateral. Um, and transe- if you transect the vein under those circumstances, you can end up with a very small amount of vein above the pancreas to deal with. I think it's important to note that if you've got acute, fresh thrombus, then doing a jump graft from this SMV, which is in um, underneath the colon, in that colonic mesentery, identifying it, and doing a jump graft from there can be very difficult because the vein is not distended enough. Um, So if you end up having to ligate the vein interoperatively because of a problem with the vein, then you're not going to have enough of an SMV to stitch to. And remember, they can be very friable. In the chronic situation, the SMV, especially if you've noted beforehand, you'll see a nice big superior mesenteric vein with a thick wall. Those are ideal to stitch a graft onto. So, in the preamble, uh, you need to ensure that the patient has in their notes or in their uh, wavelength documentation that we need decent length of. I vein from the donor, so we can do a jump graft. Um, Doing a jump graft sounds very easy, but actually it can be pretty hairy, depending on how much collateral is around the SMV, how fat the mesentery is, and how long the vein has been thrombosed for. So the really chronic thrombosed veins can, can be easier. So how do you access the SMV? Um, well, there are two ways. One, two, one, you can go under the pancreas. I think going from that, and, and you would do that, you know, if someone didn't have portal hypertension, mobilizing the bottom of the pancreas and finding the vein would probably be the easiest. But actually, in these patients, there's a lot of portal hypertension there. So we tend to go into the, uh, colonic mesentery to so elevate the transverse colon, um, and find the, find the SMV at that position. Through the middle colic. Through the middle colic, okay. yeah. And that that's, that's the way I've always accessed it, accessed it in patients who have chronic vein thrombosis. And also, um, you may find that uh, it's more easily mobilized because you're going to have to get round it so you can control it. And when it's very close to the pancreas, it's not as mobile to bring up and get tapes around. Once you've identified it, then you need to mobilize enough so that you can clamp above and below um, and put a this for grafting. Okay. And then what route does that jump graft take? So the jump graft, um, that is a, another problem. So if it's a very long jump graft, then the risk of thrombosis is quite high. I can imagine. And also the, 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 the axis of the recipient portal vein can be a problem because the 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 axis of the swimming pool van may be in a totally different axis to the way you bring in your jump valve, especially if you're bringing it around the duodenum. Um, If you can mobilize the duodenum, then that may be easier, but it's very, that's also quite hazardous in these patients. In the very early days, uh, in my time with um, Tom Starzl, there was a time when they felt that going through the pancreas or through the outside process was the the best route. Because it it maintained that axis. Um, it's not something I would do now. I think um, pancreatitis and bleeding and it's just not something I would do. But in, at the time it was something they tried. They did the same with the arteriochondrius. But I think that you have to find a safe route around the duodenum to get there. And you can't keep it as short as possible. Okay. Um, so what is the indication for an
0: SMV uh, jump graft? Is, is it based on the classific- portal vein thrombosis
1: classification that you mentioned earlier? I think if it's type 4, yeah. there's no flow in the SMV. And those, are, uh, those cases are extremely difficult to do, and you have to consider those patients for multiple grafts. I think if you go into a type 4 scenario trying to find blood flow, you could end up with a blood bath. In that situation, if you weren't expecting total occlusion of the SMV, then the only option you have is to use the left renal vein as inflow. And if there's good collateralization to the left renal vein, like a large sprenorenal shunt, then I think there's enough hepatotrophic blood going through the liver. So putting a jump graft onto the left renal vein would probably suffice if you don't have that connection or communication, and all the collateral is running through the retroperitoneum, or it's on the right side, then in that situation, if you meet it without, unexpectedly, you end up having to do a portal transposition, which means anastomosing the portal vein onto the, the lower vena cava. Um, and that's an operation which, again, was done in an emergency situation. It was first described... Um, by Professor Picklemeyer from Hanover. It's been done on numerous occasions in different settings. There have been some retrospective data looking at the outcome, and the outcome is variable. If you're doing it in an emergency with no no hope of anything else, then you've got a 50% chance of success, which is better than having no blood flow to the river. There are situations where you can do it electively, um, but it's not something you would do regularly as an elective procedure. If you're going to do it, there are two ways to do it. One is to, if you do a cava cavostomy, then to ligate the vena cava below your cavostomy and mm. I prefer personally to transect the vena cava with a staple gun, so then you have flow out, outflow from the liver. In the cave above, and then the inflow comes from the cave below. Mm,
0: so it's end to side, but it's almost like end to end because you. you Essentially,
1: know, yeah. yeah, I, I, I it's a, it's an end to side, but it's right as yeah. as close to the stable line mm. as possible.
0: So, so that's when you have this extensive retroperitoneal shunting, and it's quite interesting. to Say, if it's more, if there's a the renal shunting, then then one one thing to do is to is to uh, ligate or presumably staple off the left renal vein but when would you consider a, a, a portal vein anastomosis to the to the left renal vein exactly as opposed to just
1: ligating and using the portal I think vein. the portal so I think there are two different things one is getting ac- getting blood flow into the liver and the other is ensuring enough blood flow so if you need to get blood flow into the liver because there's no portal vein, then using the left renal vein is a way of getting blood into the liver. Presumably there's a thrombus here in the, in the yeah, portal and vein. Yeah, that's in someone okay. with, with portal vein thrombosis, mm-hmm. um, particularly type 3 or type 4. Mm-hmm. Then using the left renal vein, which is well described, and the Koreans uh, described it, and many, many centers have used it. And we've used it successfully numerous times. And usually you'd, you'd need to put in a jump graft between the renal vein and the portal vein. Yeah. And as you said, I prefer to staple it off rather than ligate it. Um, and it gives you much more access. You can ligate the the, the, um, the lumbar, you can ligate the, the gonadals and elevate the vein as much as you can. So you're using the
0: portal vein, the, the, the renal vein, the left renal vein, not in continuity, so you have to staple it
1: off for a jump graft. Yeah. You staple it off right at flush with the vena cable. Mm. And use it end-to-end. What you don't want to do is disrupt the collaterals that come into it, because that's portal blood Mm. coming to the systemic circulation, which then gets back to the liver, which is what the liver needs. And that's one of the reasons why portal vein transposition has 50% failure rates, because if you don't have those hepatotrophic factors, your liver may not survive. So that's getting blood into the liver. the other option is to ligate the renal vein or staple the renal vein off when you think there's steel. So you have, you have portal Probably vein it's flow patent here. and it's patent, mm. but the flow is not great, mm. and you're concerned about flow. So you want, you want a decent he- flow rate, and the portal vein flow rate, you know, you needs to be w- well above a liter per minute. Mm. And if you're looking at flow rates that are, you know, 500 mils or yes. 800 mils even, then I would be slightly concerned. If it's less than that, then you definitely have to do something. Mm. Um, and one of the ways to, to enhance the flow is to ligate the renal fan. But that's if there is a big of renal shunt. If there is steel, then you can do that. Um, the other way to enhance it is to is to um try and ligate all the collaterals that you can find. Mm. Um, which is which can be quite a difficult thing to do.
0: But that's in the absence of a thrombus here. Yeah, or yeah. or th- 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 this that is not a thrombus, yeah. this
1: is just poor flow. Mm. Um because of collateral steel. Um and then the other way to do it is maintaining flow through the border vein is to arterialize the portal vein. Which again uh is often a situation where you interruptively are unhappy with the flow and you can measure the flow using transducer um we have the the proprietary companies now that make flow probes and mm. uh, which we have one, and it's very useful and you measure the flow and if you're not happy with it, then you have to augment it in some way and so ligating the car as we said is one way during the renal vein or arterializing the portal vein. Arterializing the portal vein can be can be um, a little bit uh, of a lo- problem long term because yeah, obviously there's a lot more pressure that would going cause heart your, uh, right side, cause heart, heart failure, and your portal hypertension can become a problem again. Mm. Um, but if it, it at least maintains flow through the. Would
0: would that mean sharing the inflow between the artery and the vein here, or would you use a separate um? The way I conduit? do
1: it, I tend to put a conduit, arterial conduit, suprarenal conduit, so that I get flow into the liver, oxygenated arterial blood, and use the gastroduodenal artery to just maintain the portal vein flow. Why the gastroduodenal?
0: Is that because, because the flow it is... it just sits
1: quite nicely, yeah. and also it's not... It's a really small artery, you don't have to make a massive... Hole in the in the vein to mm. to, to get flow. Uh,
0: oh, I see. So that is that a, an inter side? Yeah, I do
1: it as an interside. side. I use a three millimeter punch mm. oh, oh, over yeah. the top of the yeah. portal vein. Okay. Um,
0: if I ask you, what 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 is your preference then in terms of the combination of shunting plus portal vein thrombus? Would it be an SMV jump graft, or would you prefer the renal?
1: My purpose Vain. is the renal vein. It's okay. much easier. I think it's safer. It's easier to stitch to. One of the problems with SMV is once you start the procedure, you have there's no turning back. And if it doesn't work, you can leave the patient in a much worse position.
0: And again, my, my other question is what route would it take? Is, is it, would it be a longer route if you, uh, if you chose the renal vein instead to sort of get around the, the duodenum towards the hilum?
1: If if you chose the renal vein, yes. it's a straight, it's a, it's a pretty much a straight direct route into the liver. Okay. So you put a small jump graft on the renal vein and the portal vein almost reaches it. So it's uh, it's it's a much better in terms of the axis of the portal vein. Whereas the SMV, you have to, unless you're going straight to the pancreas, like Tom Starks suggested <laughs> many years ago, you, can, you have to bring it around the duodenum or over the top of the pancreas it um, can get compressed very easily and that's one of the problems of compression thrombosis again
0: Professor that's been excellent, thank you very much
1: it's been a pleasure
0: <laughs> so um, maybe next time we'll talk about difficult arterial um, anastomoses in liver transplantation, but until then thank you very much and goodbye do you know what uh, Neil Diamond's favourite smoothie mix is? sweet carrot lime <laughs>